You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Nothing will stop the devil from seeking to kill the male child who is referred to here in our text of scripture. But the man child survived every attack of the dragon upon him. He went to the cross, but he did it voluntarily and died and rose again. And thus he conquered death and the devil and he ascended back to heaven. Satan is a vicious enemy, but he's also a defeated enemy. He'll try to take down as many as he can on his way down, but when Christ rose from the dead, it was the beginning of the end for him. The good news is, if you've been saved by Jesus, the enemy can't take you with him. As Pastor Mike will remind us in today's message, in the end, Satan will get his just rewards for the pain and anguish he's caused. For those who are in Christ, we will receive grace in its fullness as we enter heaven for eternity. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 12 as he continues his message, War in Heaven. God's great purpose in bringing Israel into being was to make that nation a repository for his word and a nation through which the Savior would ultimately come. That was a part of God's eternal plan. Now, for further validation of this concerning this child, let's go back to our text, and I want you to notice in verse 5. Let's read verse 5. In verse 5, she, Israel, bore a male, a male child who was to rule all nations. And notice the way that this male child is presented to us, is described for us, and we, there's no possible other conclusion or interpretation that we can come to other than that this is none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. She, Israel, bore a male child and was to rule all nations with the rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his uh, throne. Okay, so what do we have here in verse 5? Well, think about it. This is a summary, then, of three significant events that took place in our Lord's life. First of all, his incarnation. What does it say there in verse 5? She bore a male child. In John's Gospel in chapter 1, the Bible tells us that he became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So, a reference to the incarnation 
of Jesus uh, Christ, right? And then you have the ascension. Notice also, go back to verse 5 in the latter part. And this child was caught up to God and his throne. Remember the ascension of Jesus Christ, as is depicted for us in the book of Acts, in chapter uh, 1. But then also, this reference to his second coming. When he comes, notice, verse 5, he will rule all nations with the rod of iron. Okay, so the summary uh, listed for us of three significant events that actually take place in our Lord's life. His incarnation, his ascension, and his second coming. And listen, no other person in history fits into these details here. So this male child has to be. Would you agree? I don't think there's any other explanation, uh, interpretation, possible interpretation. No one fits into this description other than Jesus Christ himself. I mean, it can only be said of Jesus, he shall rule all nations with a rod of iron. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. For example, in the second Psalm, in verses 8 and 9, Ask of me, and I will give you... Now, this is, this is the Father speaking to the Son here. The nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your uh, possession. Verse 9. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Let me give you another cross-reference uh, for this. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15, and in one of our future studies, we're going to get into this in greater detail, but a little preview, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15, when Jesus comes back a second time and establishes his millennial kingdom upon the earth. And by the way, we're going to come back with him. And we're going to rule and reign together with Christ. We're going to sort of, sort of be like uh, governors, if you will. And we're going to actually enforce God's laws. Could you imagine? And God will give us these different places that we will actually be governors over. So you know what? You can put dibs on whatever you like right now. You can even think about it, and you can choose exactly what place you want to rule over. And I remember Pastor Chuck always wanted to rule over Maui in Hawaii. And uh, so you can put dibs on wherever you'd like to rule and reign together with Christ. Because you're, you're, going, to have, you're going to play an integral part in the establishment of Christ's uh, coming, coming back uh, upon his second coming. We're going to rule together with Christ, uh, with that rod of iron. But Revelation chapter 19 and verse 15. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. What is that sharp sword? The word of God. That with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He, th that is those people who uh, survived the seven years of tribulation. And remember, it's a thousand year reign of Christ. So, uh, you know, people will continue to have children during this time, will repopulate uh, the earth. So during this particular period of time, the church, when they come back, that is you, okay, will, given these, will be given these positions of governors, and you're going to enforce God's laws. So think about that, right? So who are you going to rule and reign over? Those people who repopulate the earth during the seven years, uh, those who have survived the seven years of tribulation, over the thousand-year reign of Christ, the millennial kingdom. So just in case you were wondering, well, who are we going to rule and reign over? That's who you're going to be ruling and reigning over. 
He himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself threads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty uh, God. So, uh, so there you have it. Revelation chapter 19 in verse 15. Okay, so then I think safely, the woman here, I think we can come to a safe interpretation that this woman is Israel and her child is Jesus. Now let's go on. In verses 3 and 4, we really come now to what this chapter is all about. And that brings us to our second point this morning. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The conflict of the ages. Write that down. This is our second point. The conflict of the ages. Now let's read verses 3 and 4. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was uh, born. Okay, so who is this dragon? Well, you know what? You know what I really like about this particular section here in the book of uh, Revelation? It, the, the interpretation or the identity of the dragon is not suspect to opinion, but we're actually given the identity of this dragon and who he is. Because in verse 9, we are told, notice, that he is the devil. Now, we'll get back to that in a moment. You don't even need to turn there. But we're just given the identity of who this dragon is. It's just simply a reference to the devil or uh, Satan. Now, before we go on and break down those two verses that we just read for you, go back to verse 4. As it relates to the uh, devil, notice what it says. And his tail, that is the tail of the serpent, who is the devil, a third of the stars. And in other places in the scriptures, the word star is used to describe angels. And uh, so just a little bit of, of trivia. So he drew a third part of the angels of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, who is Israel, who was ready to give birth to devour her child, who is Jesus, as soon as it was born. Okay, now before I actually break this down, just, I, I just want to share something with you. It has been suggested that there were only three archangels. Now we know that there are different, highly created beings uh, of the uh, angelic sort. There are cherubims, there are seraphims, and there are these archangels. And it seems as if archangels are, are more of a, a higher order than some of the other angelic beings that God has created. In fact, it's been suggested that there are only three archangels that have been created by God. Take a guess who those three archangels are. One is the devil, who at the time, his name was Lucifer. The second would have been Gabriel. And the third would have been Michael. And all three of those archangels, all of the angels that God had created, the regular angels, the seraphims, and the cherubims, were all under the authority of these three archangels. 
And so when Lucifer sought to exalt himself above God, right? And he was and and God, uh, you know, when he exalted himself, he took a third part of those angels that he had authority over along with him. So that's it's been suggested that that's exactly what happened and what is being referred to uh, here. Notice uh, once again. Uh, in verse 4, when we are told his tail drew a third of the stars. So a third of all of the angels that were created by God. So, you know, what does this tell us? It tells us that uh, the angels of God have the capacity of choice. That sort of like, you know, we are free moral agents. So they decided to align themselves with Lucifer at this particular uh, time. So I just So I just wanted to uh, mention that. So again, the dragon here is none other than the devil. Now, I want you to also notice the way that he is described uh, for us here in this uh, text. Notice the seven heads. And we've talked about this before, particularly in the first couple of chapters here in the book of Revelation. Numbers have certain significances. And the number seven represents completeness or perfection. Now, as it relates to Lucifer, when we were first introduced to uh, Lucifer, like, for example, in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter 28, in verse 12, and remember, he was one of the highest orders of God's uh, creations of all of the angels, we are told that he was full of um, uh, wisdom. So the, seven, the number seven indicates that, as far as uh, who... Uh, Lucifer uh, was. But also this number seven, uh, the seven heads, go back to our text there. What does it say there? The way that he is presented to us in verse three. The seven heads also represent seven world kingdoms that existed right from the very beginning of time and culminates right up until the present time. And what are those seven world kingdoms? kingdoms that the devil has authority over. I mean, all of the world kingdoms, right from the very beginning of time, Satan has had control over. Okay, what were those seven uh, kingdoms? The first world kingdom was Egypt. The second world kingdom was Assyria. The third world kingdom was Babylon. The fourth world kingdom was the Media Persian Empire, followed by Greece, followed by who? Rome. And then lastly, and this world kingdom hasn't come into being yet, there's going to be a confederation of ten nations that will exist in the last days. And that confederation of ten nations will give their power over to the Antichrist. So the, the seven, go back to uh, verse three, the seven heads represent seven world kingdoms that, will, that have existed from the very beginning of time and will continue right up until prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And notice the ten horns. Notice not only does it say seven heads, but ten horns. That speaks of the served authority over these ten nations that will exist in the last days and help the Antichrist rise to power. In fact, you know what, I remember uh, probably like maybe 15 years ago, 
uh, many Bible teachers believed that that Confederation of Ten Nations was the EEC, the European Economic uh, Community. And there was actually a time when there were ten members of the EEC. So everybody got really excited. And I remember all of these teachers of prophecy were saying, all right, now we have ten nations and you know, there's nothing else that needs to be fulfilled. And Jesus, but all of a sudden, other uh, nations begin to join it. And now the EEC doesn't even exist any longer. But now the EEC has become the what? Has become the European Union. But the problem now is that there's 27 nations that are a part of the European Union presently. So we really don't know. But we do know that in the last days, prior to Christ's second coming, there will be a confederation of ten nations that will give their power over to the Antichrist and will help him to rise to that position. In fact, we're told that, quickly turn with me to Revelation chapter 17, and verse thir- uh, verses 12 and 13. Let's begin in verse 12. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast, or the Antichrist. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the Antichrist. Okay? So, does that validate what I just suggested? Uh, I hope it's become a little bit more uh, clear uh, in your understanding. Now, the devil is seen here, ready to devour the child as soon as he is uh, born. What does it say there? What does it say there in, in our, uh, our, our, our text, right? The dragon stood, in verse 4, the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was uh, born. And listen, gang, this has been the picture, this has been the story of this conflict right from the very beginning of time. It's all about the eternal conflict that is the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. Remember Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Okay? So this is a reference to this eternal conflict. So God himself declares this war. And listen, the devil is determined to obliterate God's witness, who is Jesus, in this world. Satan hates any testimony to the truth concerning God's Son. And he will resort to any means to silence it, including murder. And let me cite a couple of examples uh, for you. Remember the killing of the innocents during the time of King Herod. It's recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2 in verse 16. Remember the prophecy concerning how that the Savior would come out of the city of of Bethlehem. And when Herod couldn't figure out exactly who this new king that was about to be born was, what did he do? He declared that every child under the age of two years should be killed in the city of Bethlehem. And that's exactly what they did. Remember, he sent soldiers. Could you imagine that? Every child under the age of two was slaughtered. It's referred to as the slaughter of the innocents. It's recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 2, in verse 16. 
and put Satan behind this. I'll give you another example. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 4, remember how that the devil infuriated a mob to throw Jesus over a cliff. Sometime during the week, I'd encourage you to, to read that text. Luke's Gospel in chapter 4. Or how about the time that's recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4, which is a part of the temptations of Christ? Remember as Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit, he was tempted by uh, the devil after uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? And remember, in one of those temptations, the devil encouraged Jesus to throw himself down off of the pinnacle of the temple, right? And uh, because it is written... God the Father has given his angels charge over thee. Nothing will stop the devil from seeking to kill the male child who is referred to here in our text of Scripture. But the man-child survived every attack of the dragon upon him. He went to the cross, but he did it voluntarily, and died and rose again. And thus he conquered death and the devil, and he ascended back to heaven, and now awaits his return to earth to finish destroying the devil's works altogether and to establish his sovereign reign upon the earth. Okay, so with that said, let's go back to our text. Let's read now verses 7 through 9. And war broke out in heaven. Michael, there you go, one of the archangels, and his angels, a third part of all of the angels, fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Man, that must have been some battle. Could you imagine that? You know, probably tens of thousands of angels in this. You know, I've talked about this before. You know, there's a battle that's ensuing in the spiritual realm around us, and the battle is for your soul. And if God ever opened our eyes, first of all, I I don't even want to know about it. I'll just... uh, you know, take God at his word. It would blow us away. These demon angels who are aligned themselves with the devil and Michael and his, his angels fighting against them. And the object is for your soul, you see. And where are you going to be spending eternity? And all of this is going on in the spiritual realm around us, you know? And uh, I'm so thankful that, you know, I'm aware of it because of what the Bible teaches about this subject, but I, I'm so glad that, you know, we can't see this warfare that's going on around us, but I, I, I do know that it uh, exists. In verse 8, but they did not prevail, that is, the devil and his angels, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 8, so the great dragon, Satan, was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long The book of Revelation is filled with symbols and numbers and pictures that seem beyond comprehension, yet each one has a purpose and meaning. This book takes you into the end of the world, a time when Jesus will return to redeem the earth and rid it once and for all of evil. It's a time that may be sooner than you think. 
And that's why we're so glad you joined us today to study this important final book of the Bible on In My Father's House. If you'd like to hear more teachings from this series in Revelation, or if you want to explore Pastor Mike's studies in the other books of the Bible, just visit harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you'll be notified each time we post a new edition of the show. We want to meet you too. If you're going to be in Midtown Manhattan, come join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at harvestnyc.org or join us virtually. We're streaming each Sunday and Thursday so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. That website again is harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know that we're praying for you. You are a valued listener, and we're grateful to have you tuned in to learn about the love of God from the pages of Scripture. With that, our time with you is coming to an end. Join us next time for another edition of In My Father's House. There's a place for